Barbara Slate has written hundreds of comic books and graphic novels for DC, Marvel, Archie, Disney, Barbie, Beauty and the Beast, Pocahontas, Archie, Betty and Veronica, created Angel Love, Yuppies from Hell, Sweet Sixteen, Getting Married, and Other Mistakes. She is profiled in a century of women cartoonists, a resident of Hudson, New York. She travels extensively nationwide as a keynote speaker, teacher, and moderator. She's just written, or rewritten, a book called You Can Do a Graphic Novel, Comic Books, Web Comics, and Strips. Welcome to the Bibliophile. Well, thank you. I'll drink to that. <laughs> I didn't think we were going to publicize the fact that we were drinking. Here, let's click. Nice to see you, Nigel. It's nice to be seen, Barbara. Well, it's so good to have you here in Hudson, New York. What a lovely, lovely venue, too. Yeah, here we are. We moved from the city, I guess, about 20, about 22 years ago. Moved from New York City to upstate New York. Hudson and never look back well actually I looked back for the first couple of years wondering what did I do yeah. but now I love it yeah it's pretty peaceful mm -hmm. the title you can do a graphic novel not you can write or draw you can do a graphic novel yeah <laughs> what's that all about <laughs> yeah it's funny I got a little critiques for that you know yeah. But, um, you know, it is writing and it is drawing and it's doing. And yeah. uh, doing it is is what you have to do. You have to get up and you have to actually physically prepare and, and dream and analyze and write and draw and do all of that. So do just seem like the word for me. Well, it's like, uh, I mean, a poem. It's you, you, uh, you make a poem. Well, well, what is the difference? I mean... When you make a poem, you create a poem, you go back and forth, you write, you rewrite, you rewrite again, and you are doing it. It is the art that moves the story. How so? Well, the difference between a graphic novel, which is really a comic book, the difference between that and an illustrated book is, in the illustrated book, you illustrate the words. In a graphic novel, the art moves the story forward. Mm -hmm. So you should be able to look at a graphic novel or a comic book and not read a single word and still get an essence of what the story is about because mm -hmm. it's really in the art. It, the big conflict in, at Marvel Comics was what's more important, the art or the story? And, of course, if you're the writer... You say it's the story. If, you, if it's the artist, you say it's the art. But it's actually the combination of those two that make a graphic novel or a comic book. But it is the art that moves the story forward, as opposed to the illustrated book. Chapter one is uh, getting started. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, a good thing to do in chapter one. Yeah, yeah. You you start. You see that character. You create the character and. Yeah. Stick figures are terrific. I mean, if you if you can't if you think you can't draw, everybody can do stick figures. So, 
I encourage stick figures. Sometimes they have the biggest and the greatest personalities. So everybody can draw. And you uh, advise to draw something unique, make something instantly recognizable. Mm -hmm. And something that nobody has ever seen before. If you're drawing a stick figure, put something on your stick figure that is is recognizable, whether it's a polka dot tie or a hat or a scarf or a, sk a skirt. Make something that is instantly recognizable that this is your character. So that just at a glance of the page, they know mm -hmm. that, that they're yeah. appearing and yeah. they're playing a role in that part of the story. Yeah, yeah. I started teaching at Montclair State University, and I had 21 students. And that was, I, I, it's the first time I used my book for a full semester. And it was, it was wonderful, because I could say, oh, that's, that's my dog, that's Sparky. <laughs> um, joking, on, joking on nothing? That's just how she barks? Just wanting to go out. Okay. Um, so, uh, should we... She really wants to go out. Should we let her out? Let's see if she asks again. Let me just say. Sure. Is this, this isn't live, is it? It's live, yeah. This is live? Well, it's not live, no. no I, can, I can edit it. If, if I let her out, then she's going to want to come back in. So what I'm going to do, you're just going to have to give me a minute. Sure. Going to let her out. Okay, Sparks. That's okay. Whenever she wants to come back in, we'll let her in. We had these two huge eagles flying around today. Oh, yeah. And it was, yeah, I just wanted to make sure. Oh, come on. Go, 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 out. There you go. Oh, she's pooping. You don't want to get plucked up by an eagle. No. Yeah. That wouldn't be so much fun. Wouldn't that be awful? Yeah. But she's too big for an eagle, don't you think? Depends how big the eagle is. The eagle was a big motherfucker. <laughs> okay. Okay, Sparky. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Okay. okay. Yeah, so it was a great, I used it as a textbook, and it was just fun watching these 21-year-olds create a six-page graphic novel because yeah. it does take a while yeah. you know you have to do character and then you have to do story beginning middle end and twist and putting it together and laying out a page making the panels go in and out and and showing what season it is and giving hints about who the character is through the backgrounds there's a lot involved in just one panel well what you say here is that uh, it, and I guess it's the cartoon, must be instantly understood. What do you mean by that? Well, that's a one-pager. Yeah. Yeah. You have to look at that, and that's why people look at cartoons. People can't resist looking at cartoons, because mm. you get it instantly. You look at it and you go, ah, oh, that's funny, or that's poignant. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that's important as a... Uh, a characteristic of uh, yeah you know people just don't have time to look yeah. and study yeah. and everything is so instant today yeah. that if you don't get it instantly if you want people to actually 
sit there and think, oh, I think I get this, but that's just not happening. You talk about the fact that many cartoonists write about themselves, mm -hmm. but I guess the important thing is to make sure that, you know, if it's their daily struggles, that those are universal struggles. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess if you want a really big audience, but I think writing about yourself is uh, wonderful. I mean, I'm writing my autobiography now. As a graphic novel. As a graphic novel, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it's in a couple of publishers. Play, uh, you know, it, it just takes so long to get published. Mm -hmm. But uh, thankfully, I have a good agent. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, when I moved from the city, it, my inspiration was kind of at a standstill because I lived on Bleecker Street. I walk out in the street, and I always had a pencil and paper, and I would take notes. I'd eavesdrop eavesdropped all over the city, eavesdropped in lines, and eavesdropped in the bath, in the, you know, in the women's bathroom, eavesdropped everywhere, yeah. and just picked up bits of conversation. Or you'd walk out and you'd see a guy riding on a motorcycle or a bicycle with a, a bird on his shoulder. You know, New York City, you just mm. suck in... You can't make this stuff up, it's so good, Yeah, you right? just suck in inspiration. Yes, yeah. that's, you know, when I did Yuppies from Hell, I just eavesdrop and... At the end of the day, I'd put my notes together, and I had a million characters. Yeah. But when I moved up here... There's <laughs> not too many characters walking around. No, there I had deer and birds, but I don't speak deer or bird. It was lovely, and it was quiet, but it took me... It took about two years, and then I thought, I'm going to write about myself. Because there was nothing else going on, nothing else to write about. Uh, and so I, I started seeing that my, my story was universal. You know, it's about a girl coming to New York City mm -hmm. at 20 years old, getting off the bus. It's an adventure. Walking down that those three steps, and there was this real sleazy guy there saying, hey, baby, you want to be a model? You know, it was very flattering. Anybody who says you want to be a model... Very flattering, but you know, I was five four. I had a couple extra pounds on me. <laughs> you know, I was not model material, <laughs> but I did have a portfolio, and I said, "No, you know, I'm going to be an artist." So, and that then, went into your your work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then it was you know going around and you know finding a job, and I found a job at J.C. Penney, and then you know I was unemployed for a while, and I, just all the things that it really takes to succeed in this world and yeah. just it's all continuing and keeping at it and following these leads and yeah you know i was talking to a, a well-known podcaster debbie millman is mm -hmm. oh yeah and she was i was asking her well so what does an author do to pre prepare for an interview with you and uh, you know what can they do to make the the interview interesting and she said to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you were doing a bit of that with your graphic novel. With my biography. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, the thing is that it took a while before I realized that I did have something to say. And once I started getting into it, I uh, it, it, there was a lot of really difficult times where I was sitting at the computer and I found myself crying. Not that I had such a terrible life. I didn't. I had a very typical race in Harrisburg. You know, the, the biggest thing about me was in my high school, I was a cheerleader. That was, 
I felt like such. Am I allowed to swear on this? You okay. can fucking swear your <laughs> okay. fucking head. I felt like such big shit when I was walking down those halls in my cheerleading uniform. Those were your glory days? Those were my glory days. <laughs> what about afterwards? Well, it was, you know, it was a struggle since then. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I seem to have made cheerleader, and, uh, you know, that's what I really excelled at. Mm. So I was somebody, if you had to pick somebody who, I, I, I wouldn't say in my high school I was least likely to succeed, but I certainly was not somebody who they would say oh yeah she's gonna make it but it's interesting the woman who was who got like most likely to succeed it it didn't happen i don't even want to say what happened to her but they ended up usually murdered in a motel somewhere yes well she wasn't murdered anyway um so then i started seeing that my story was universal and that's when i started writing my autobiography but we're talking about you can do a graphic novel yes which um was, uh, you know, I started in comics and uh, and then, you know, ended up starting to do graphic novels, you know, which is the same thing as comics, only they're longer. So what are you reading there? I'm just about to quote uh, the fact that, uh, and I'm not sure if you're posting stuff weekly, maybe you are posting, uh, what you're saying is get the hang of what it's like to be on deadline. Yeah. So what, how do you do that? Well... First of all, you don't say, oh, I have a creative block. Because to me, a creative block... If if you go into Marvel Comics and you say, listen, I didn't do my my pages today because I have a creative block, you know, they're going to say, well, good for you. You know, take you and your creative block out of here. So what I have discovered is there's no such thing as a creative block. To me, it's that struggle. And it is a struggle. It's a real, you know, it's it's getting past all the insecurities and being able to just be free enough to write, being, you know, enjoying your style, your art style. And I think that the creative block is really that moment before your breakthrough. So you could have a creative block for a long time, or what you consider a creative block. But I know that I'm going to be breaking through. I know that now. I've worked hard for so many years mm. that when it's not happening, I never say I have a creative block. I go, I am going to have a breakthrough. This is a sign. Of a this is a sign of, and if I'm not going to have a breakthrough, then I'm going to have a breakdown. <laughs> It's because the struggle is so real. So how do you get through a creative? Well, you just keep going. You just you just keep going, and you do the tools. You walk away. You go to a movie. You watch Lifetime for Women. You uh, you go to sleep. You go for a walk. You do something, and then you go and you look at it as if for the first time. It's it's a struggle. If if anybody thinks it's easy. It's not easy. Do yeah. something else. This is not easy. Yeah, I think anyone who's, uh, quote, succeeded at anything has had to work hard. It's a slog. It is. And that, in, in many cases, is the, is the secret. Yes. It's the slog. It's the slog, and it is the rejections. And, and just letting those pass 
Well, you know, I give myself about 15 minutes to get over it. And uh, now it's 15 minutes. It used to be a lot longer. But yeah, you're going to get rejected all the time. And it's, what is it like? I don't know, one out of 20 maybe? Mm. That's, that's a good record. I'm, I'm about one out of 20 now. I'm producing a lot, but I'm not producing comic books the way I was, like a, on a weekly, weekly, a monthly basis, getting them out, knocking them out. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that anymore. So what I'm doing is a lot more. I can spend more time making myself crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about organizing events in the story according to a, a fairly recognized plan. And of course, to start with, the beginning, there's a, a splash page that should grab the reader's attention. Yeah. I love a six-pager. I did a lot of six-page comics for Archie Comics. And I would call my editor, Victor, and I'd say, because I always wanted to do, I always wanted the whole story. I I wanted the entire 24-page comic. Mm -hmm. So I would call him, I'd say, I have a really big story, and it's going to take up the entire comic. And so then I do the pitch. The pitch is the beginning, middle, end, and twist of the story. And it, you should be able to tell that in three to five sentences. And that's all, that's all the time he has anyway. That's all the time he'll give me. So by the time I finish my beginning, middle, end, and twist, he'll say, okay, do it in six pages. Do that, my big story, do it in six pages. So it starts with the splash page. Then it's the two double-page spreads. And the double-page spreads can be anywhere from 12 panels, 14 panels, 10 panels. There's a lot of panels in six pages. It's, yeah. it, that's why I tell my students, we're going to do a six-pager, because if you can do a six-pager, you can do a graphic novel. It's the same thing, but you have to really get all the things that go into doing a six-pager. So what's the best three to five sentence pitch you've ever written? Oh, well, <laughs> um, what I'm doing now, doing now, but it's not a, I haven't pitched it to anybody yet except for myself. I'm, okay. I'm doing the um, Muller graphic novel. And if I had to do it in three to five sentences, I would say, take that wonderfully long 450 black small lettering pages and make it so everybody can read it. That would be my pitch, beginning, middle, end, and twist. And the, twi- the twist? The twist is, you know, that's an interesting story. The twist is that somebody can read, uh, can actually understand the Mueller report mm. by reading this okay. because it seems impossible. I, I must have like 400, maybe 300 stories beginning, middle, end, and twist. So... That those are the that's the pitch. That's what you do to pitch your story. Mm-hmm. So I, I flew to Hollywood one time to pitch my story, and uh, I walked in. It was in the '90s, and there was a room full of men sitting at a table, and they must have, you know, that that's what they listened to all day pitches, you know. So yeah. I came in, and I could see they were practically falling asleep before I did my pitch. Yeah. But I wasn't prepared with my pitch. I, w- I didn't have my beginning, middle, end, and twist. You have to basically wake them up. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that that was uh, that was in the night. I don't know what it's like today. I, I'm pretty sure there are a couple women sitting at that table. But uh, but in terms of being difficult to get 
published, it's, I'm sure it's uh, maybe even more difficult now, probably even more difficult now. Well, the beauty is you can get published by just doing your own, doing your own work, put, yeah. it on, put it on, the, that's what I'm doing with the Mueller Report every day. Well, we, we can talk about that later, but every day I just, I have a page or I have a panel and I put it out to... Um, on your website? Or? I put it out to Twitter. On Twitter. See, it, Twitter used to intimidate me terribly. Yeah. I, I, it was, I don't know why, but just, you know, maybe it's my age, <laughs> but, you know, all this stuff that my daughter just looks at and presses a couple buttons and presto, she gets whatever I need. I, I can't, I don't have that in me, so... Uh, I, I made myself learn how to tweet. Tweeting is fun as hell. Yeah, and so that's what I do every day is I tweet. So I, I didn't, I wasn't doing it, and so I had maybe a hundred follow. Maybe, did I have a hundred followers? Maybe not even that many. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but almost overnight, I went from 100 to over 1,500 mm-hmm. followers yeah. from this Mueller report. Because everybody was so interested. To check in on you every day. Every day, hmm. I write something. Yeah. Even if I don't have, even if I don't have enough, even if I don't like what I'm doing, yeah. I will show process. I'll mm-hmm. say, I know this sucks, <laughs> or this isn't right, or, you know, here's but, here's. But some people will respond with the. Here's what. Here's my process. The first thing I do is have to go through the report and underline it. You know, I underline it in pink, so I show that because a lot of people have never even seen the report, so they're actually interested in seeing what I've underlined. Mm-hmm. So the the process, I know my process now. With this, it, it took a long time to. When I say long time, it was days because I'm really fanatic about this now, but it did take a a, a while to really understand my process and everything is process you know? what, what is your process are, are we talking about the Mueller report or are we talking about my regular process I guess it's pretty much the same well this is different actually because it's written usually I write and draw but but uh, I have a uh, but you have to obviously edit it yeah but my um, my my collaborator is Bob Mueller <laughs> <laughs> And, unwittingly. and he, he, well, I don't know if it's he unwittingly, might, he, might, he yeah. might like it. Yeah. So I, I, when I realized that I did have a, that it was all written, even though it was difficult to read, I, um, the, the process is reading it one, two, three, four, five, six, ten times until I understand it. And I realized that if anybody was going to be able to read it, I was the perfect person to write this because I didn't understand it. And I could narrow it down. So mm-hmm. anyway, so, that's so what's it. your splash page then? The splash page is what brings your reader in. So when you're, but with, on the Mueller report, what is it? The Mueller report is the picture of him. I watched him, and I, I love that picture of him where he's got his fingers over his mouth, and you could tell he's thinking, and I just love that photograph of him and he's got these very long fingers I, I knew that was going to be the the splash but it did take a while before I captured him before I was able to draw him mm-hmm. and when I saw him you know when you draw a character like him there's a lot of characters in the Mueller report there's 
all these Russians. And, and I look them up online. And when you draw them, you know, you see the photographs. And I start drawing. And all of a sudden, there's a point where they come to life. Like, there they are. I get it. I got them. But it, the, uh, he took a little bit of time. And what was it that suddenly allowed you to get them? I, I just kept looking at all these photographs. Okay. I looked at cartoons of him. Then I was able to get him, but I had to see really what his jaws looked like. And has so, he's so intelligent, and I, I just really wanted to get that across. Okay. I wanted to get his intelligence across, and I think I did. And it's all black and white. So the rising action, main conflict is developed, and this is where suspense, drama, or comedy develop to create a successful story. So are you following this in the Mueller? Uh, no, no, because I, I didn't write this. So you're just following the text of the Mueller report. Yes, yeah. but what a story. So yeah. I'm sure there are all these elements in play. All of them. All, yeah. all of them. I just, I, I finished the, the meeting that meeting in Trump Tower mm. was actually one of the... That's those, a climax or one... No, that's... Well, you can... You know, it's the meeting. You know, he gets the phone call from this guy who's a musician. This guy must weigh like 500 pounds, and he lives in... He's from England, and uh, he's representing this guy who is a pop star, and mm. the pop star has this, uh, this information about Hillary. These characters that are involved in this meeting are so funny. They are, you just can't believe yeah. that they're, you know, the pop star and the, the musical guy and, and then, uh, then this woman, this lawyer who has, says she's got all this information, has nothing, and then Jared Kushner and uh, Manafort are invited to the meeting, you know. It's a four o'clock meeting and they're all sitting around and Jared Kushner writes to Manafort because this woman is saying things that it's a waste. And he writes to Manafort, this is a total waste of time. Mm -hmm. And then Kushner gets his secretary to call him, and he gets on the phone and pretends it's an emergency and runs out of the meeting. (laughs) The meeting's over. And the meeting is really nothing. But the fact that they lied so much about it, like, anyway... And the fact that they were taking a meeting with a Russian, of course, that was another thing. But anyway, there, all these stories in the Mueller report, they do have beginning, middle, ends, and twists, and they are hysterical. Mm. I, well, hysterical. I don't want to use the word hysterical. Frightening. It, I just realized how interesting these stories were. And, and that's, the, that's what you have to do when you do a story. It has to be... A, it can't be boring. No, nobody likes a boring story. No, they're not going to read it. That's right. Did yeah. you did you see my boring story in there? Uh, I didn't read it because it was too boring. <laughs> well, what I teach, I always say to my kids, I go, um, who likes a boring story? And they go, nobody. And I go, who wants to tell a boring story? They all look at me like, uh, and then I'll tell a really boring story. And then all the hands go up and they all want to tell a boring because you don't have to think about a boring story yeah, yeah. so they all tell these really boring stories beginning middle ended twist no you don't need a twist it's just hello goodbye they tell very boring stories and it's fun and then they have to tell a story that's not boring which has a beginning middle ended twist and that's not easy and yeah, sometimes that can be the most difficult part is mm-hmm. getting that that little the three to five sentences down but once you know your story, 
then you can start dissecting the rest of it. You suggest uh, questioning. Would it be? Would I be excited to read my story? Yes, that's. It's very easy to tell when you're doing a boring story. One thing is that you. I ask myself that all the time as I'm writing. I'll say, "Am I excited about this story?" And if I'm not excited, nobody's going to be excited. Well, what you say is uh, a third sign. That you are telling a snoozer as if your mother and your girlfriend both love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't ask somebody who loves you to read your story. If they love you too much, they'll they'll think you're a genius. But ask somebody who is pretty objective about who you are, you know, and will tell you the truth. I have three friends who, I I also have an editor who I've been working with. Um, uh, from Marvel days, she, I worked with her for five years, and so I usually show her my work. You mentioned uh, doing a six pager. Why, why six pages? Like, what's what's so? You can you can have a beginning. That's what I. That's the Archie stories are six yeah. pages. Okay, six or seven pages. You yeah. know, sometimes five, but yeah, a six pager. It includes your character development, your story beginning, middle, end, and twist, your layout. Um, it, it includes everything that you need to do to do a graphic novel. And you finish it. The thing with kids mostly, and I teach a lot of kids, is they get somewhere in the middle of the story and then they throw it out because they think, oh, I have a better story. They get bored of it. But my goal is to have them complete the story, and that's why it's six pages. If I say, oh, do 100 pages, it's never going to be finished. So yeah. do six pages, and they can get six pages finished in a week or two weeks, or, you know, how many how many days, if, if we have a class every day. Usually I teach once or twice a week, and that's when they get their stories finished. And then they come in, they can, they can go home and, you know, and dream about it and think about it. Dreams are very important, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah, throughout the book you provide uh, prose, uh, we call it prose from the prose, and here's yes. what Tom DeFalco <laughs> says his piece of advice is there is only one secret to writing you have to care and care deeply about every character and event that appears in your story if you don't care neither will your readers yes that was tom defalco who was editor-in-chief of marvel comics when i was there mm. and that was in the 90s and uh yes a huge influence on my life Here's someone else, uh, Paul uh, Levitz, mm -hmm. who says, if you're a writer, write anything and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these, uh, this was really uh, great advice uh, mm -hmm. from my, actually my brother-in-law said to me, you should get pros in the industry and put them in the book. And mm -hmm. I said, okay, that's a really good idea. Here's uh, some of your advice. It's keep a daily journal about the one and only you. Mm -hmm. The more you know about yourself, the more you'll understand your process, and the easier it will be to tell your story. I don't think you told me about your process. What Can you tell me about it? Well, I'm, the, the process is really knowing about who you are. For instance, okay. if you have a favorite pen, it's very simple. If you have a favorite pen, use the pen. If you're a morning person, if you get up and you love the morning, write in the morning. Yeah. If you if at night you, you, nothing happens, don't push yourself to write at night. 
just just very simple things that yeah. you know to be learn aware of to learn about yourself yeah, yeah. okay be aware of how you can produce your best stuff yeah is there do you work better with music what kind of music is there a certain spot in your house or your room that that makes you feel comfy and this is the best place to write if you like action figures put action figures up just put your environment make your environment one that is you mm. so really learn about yourself and and that's all that's really process is, is everything is is that but you know also I, I don't do that this mu as much as I used to but there was always a time where I'd sit at my board or my computer and the voice in my head would go off and say why would anyone want to hear what you have to say what do mm -hmm. you have to say why who, who do you think you are being a writer or an artist negative voices oh my god it was just ridiculous and and I would you know try to fight it and then I realized part of my process I realized that I just had to let that go just just let it, let it rip so for like five minutes I would just listen to that voice and I'd say alrighty are you finished yeah, anything else yeah. you want to add anything else I gotta lose five pounds anything else <laughs> and that was and then uh, you know eventually even that voice gets bored and then I can get to work yeah. so that, you realize that that voice is gonna show up and you're That's do, right. Yes, you control it, or it controls me. But I just let it go. I mean, it gets bored. It goes. It does. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be there for the next three hours. It's you know. And then there was another thing about my process that when I was doing, um, I, I I was doing comics for um, Marvel every month. I was doing um, uh, Beauty and the Beast and and um, Pocahontas and, and Barbie. I, I was really on t tough deadlines mm -hmm. and um, I realized that once a month no matter what I did I couldn't work it was I was just nothing was happening mm -hmm. and so in the beginning when I before I was on to my process these are things that you really have to learn about yourself because everybody's process is different but I, I realized that um, that one day I could, I just had to go to the movie, I had to do something else, because mm. nothing was happening. Yeah. And that was the day that I needed to go out, go roller skating, anything. Could not get anything done. So instead of forcing myself, and then making myself crazy, I, I just left. Mm. And then the next day, I was good to go. But mm. that was part of my process. Then I'd say, I'd recognize, I'd say, oh, this is one of those days, and boom, yeah. I did, I was out of there. You mentioned dreams a little earlier. So uh, how is dreaming part of the creative process? A huge part. It is uh, when you're... What happens if you can't, like me, you can't remember any of your dreams? Well, yes, you, you have to remember. You can remember them. You get up in the morning. Write them down. And it's by the time you brush your teeth, they're gone. Yeah. So you have to get them immediately. And and dreaming also is is it's obviously when your subconscious is going. But if you are, if you, are you want to ask yourself a story, something about your story, you're kind of stuck. You ask your question before you go to sleep. Ask before. Yeah. Write that question down, and as soon as you get up in the morning, 
that there's a moment when you're sleeping and up there's that it's a it's not even a second mm. but it is it's a it's a really creative time and just take that and ask yourself that question again and see what pops up I like what you say here about the history of artists and writers who came before you and, and studying their work. Yeah, yeah. You, you're not the inventor of all things. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's good to look at people's work. I mean, you know, you can... Uh, when I was young, I had an art teacher who gave me, actually in high school, gave me a, a sketchbook to fill. And I copied everybody's work, I, and it was beautiful, and everybody was so impressed with my work because it was just not a line out of place. And my art teacher gave me a C-. minus. I couldn't believe it. And he says, you draw from life. Yeah. And so I started drawing from life, and I started creating my own style. I just Actually, I just had a huge breakthrough with my autobiography in my art style. I knew I needed to push myself, and I, for years I just didn't know what I was doing. I, I was writing and sketching but I didn't have my art style and I finally got it and I and I'm using it now for the uh, Mueller report so it's a new it's a new style and it's all mine yay me it was that was a huge breakthrough but it took many years you also talk about studying your favorite uh, characters like the, the ones that you've created uh, what is it about them that is unique yeah your characters start talking to you. He, when I did Beauty and the Beast, um, Lumiere and Cogsworth, in their accents, I don't have their accents in my head anymore, but I did. I had their voices, and they were bickering for, I think I did Beauty and the Beast for a couple years, and I, I, I don't even remember doing any dialogue, thinking about dialogue. I just, They just talked to me. They just came and talked, and they fought, and... They were the easiest characters to do. Their characters, their voices, their accents, their uh, relationship with each other was brilliant. Well, you talk about the fact that you need to know your characters as well or better than you know mm -hmm. yourself. That's right. And a lot of people are not that self-aware, self mm -hmm. so you can learn your, have to learn your characters. Very, but yeah, you, you need to know that when I did Angel Love, I did a 20-page Bible, which is everything about her. I knew her hobbies. I knew that um, her favorite color. I knew her favorite band. Uh, I knew that when she walked down the streets of New York, she collected things off the streets uh, for furniture. I, you know, um, I just knew everything about her. So when I was able to write her, when I was writing the dialogue, I was her. I, she was just so clear in my mind. And, and also, um, you know, she was a girl who came from a small town to New York. So I had a lot of myself in her. Mm. So, but, um, you know, there was a, a lot of differences too. But uh, yeah, know, know them better than yourself. What does go to Louis mean? Go to Louis. That was, I was in the post office and I was having this nice conversation with this woman. And all of a sudden the doors open, this guy's on the cell phone and he's, and he's yelling, go sell this. You know, he's just an obnoxious little guy. And um, so you see characters like that. And I call him my go-to Louie. His name was Louie. He goes, hey, it's Louie here. 
So it's, it's a go-to Louie is that character I go to whenever I want a loud mouth, obnoxious guy. So when I was doing Betty and Veronica, I had a friend who was very Veronica and very spoiled and very into herself and really didn't think too much of other people the way Veronica was, also very wealthy. And uh, so I could get, I knew her very well, so I could get into her head. So she was my go-to Veronica, although she thought she, thought she was Betty. <laughs> I know. Now, my go-to Betty was pretty much me, cause yeah. I, and my go-to Barbie was pretty much me, because those girls were, you know, girls next door and nice and sweet, not with too much of an edge, you know, that kind of thing. Although my edge, I've developed my edge. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> uh, I really like what you say here about uh, learning from the masters. <laughs> oh, sparky. Okay. What 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 is Sparky? What, what what? Well, when you said learn from the masters, yeah. that's when she barked. Yeah. Okay, Sparky. What was that about? Do you want to do say anything more? Or? Okay, come here, sweetie. You sit up here with me. Okay. Yes. So go um, to learning from the masters, and you what you suggest is to form an opinion, and I uh, that's been one of my touchstones too. Is if if you're reading something and you really like it or you really dislike it, make sure you question yourself as to, well, why do I like this? Mm -hmm. And really drill down on that. That seems to me what you're saying here. Have an opinion, yeah. yeah. And change your mind, it's fine. So in but, other words, what? You go with your gut feeling about something? Or well, that, that's about looking at art, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. so people look at art like people, some people look at abstract expressionism and think it is such bullshit. Mm. And I love it. And, uh, you know, or, you know, look at uh, Keith Haring and think, oh, anybody can do something like that. Or look at, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a good thing to just wipe away a whole art form. <laughs> you know, yeah, you can have an opinion and say this is bullshit, but really, you know, take a look. See something different. See something there. Really look. Yeah, you talk about looking and uh, seeing how artists have handled things like lighting, facial expressions, and, and panel breakdowns. Yeah. Uh, layout. See how people handle layout. I like to look at a double-page spread. Look at your double-page spread as a giant canvas. Mm -hmm. Because every panel has to relate to the other panels. Even if a panel is on the top panel of the uh, page 19, it has to relate to page 20, the middle panel. They all have to move in a way where it looks like a giant painting, a giant canvas. You can't just do one panel and then do the next panel and then do the next panel. They've all got to move. They've all got to. So look at that first panel on your double page spread and the last panel. See where you want to keep your story, where you want your story to go, and then start molding the rest of the panels. That, to me, is the most fun. I love layout. I love that. That, that is a giant puzzle, putting it all together. And then, you know, make something pop on your page. Make sure that they're not talking heads. Show if it's in the country or the city, what's the season. All those things you can tell in a panel, and it, no words. 
that's why be- that's the beauty of comics and graphic novels, just all that stuff. And and you can learn so much about your character. So if your character is, is in the bedroom and the room is a wreck, you know, you think, well, maybe this character is a slob. Maybe. But then if you, if something else happens. So if you see it three times, then it becomes a personality trait, you know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the messy room is just a really bad day or, you know, <laughs> whatever. But you also have to write. So what you say about writing is... Writing is rewriting, is rewriting, is rewriting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is uh, rewriting. If I had, I if I had a whole book, I could fill up the entire book saying is rewriting, is rewriting, is rewriting, is rewriting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I've I've stopped throwing things away. I used to, at the end of the day, throw all my uh, writing away, mm-hmm. and now I save everything because I'm archiving. Mm-hmm. But I have uh, bins filled with one book, one little book. I have bins filled with rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. Yeah. yeah. Well, I find that if you know, if a blank, there's a blank page. You just put something down on it because anything is better uh, to work with than than nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you talk about the fact that uh, you you trust your first thought because it's almost always right, mm-hmm. and you need to remind yourself that I know best. Well, that, that's your, you know, if there's something uh, that you remind yourself every day. I mean, do you have something that you say to yourself every day? Uh, I listen to uh, a particular piece of music almost every day. You do? Yeah. And why is that? Makes me feel good. Okay. All right. Okay, so that, well, that's interesting. So if you have something that you listen to or... Mm-hmm that you say to yourself, like, uh, I, I used to, you know, be stuck on something, or not move forward, and then I would call this one or that one and ask a question and see if I can get answers, and, and then it's a big waste of time. And I realized that usually what I thought first was the way, was to, go. The way to go. Yeah. So I remind myself, I have a big sign above my computer that says, I know best. And so whatever it is, if it's, uh, if, if it's something like, um, I don't know, what, what do people, what, what's something that people tell themselves, um, uh, I can do it, you know, put that there. Whatever it is that you tell yourself every day, or don't let the turkeys get you down, whatever it is that you tell yourself every day, uh, to, uh, just to put it up, to put a sign up, so you can remind yourself of that because sometimes you need to be reminded. Mm-hmm. So I know best. I, I have to look at that every day because otherwise I go off and keep doubting and doubting and doubting and doubting. Mm-hmm. Just keep going. I just have to keep going. But that's why doing this, um, I'm getting back to the Mueller report, doing that is uh, because I'm giving myself deadlines every day. I don't, uh, give myself that luxury of doubting. <laughs> you, know? you just do it. I just do it. We talked about the fact that boring, boring is the worst, and mm-hmm. uh, ways of getting around that. Uh, uh, we talk, You talked about varying your pacing and uh, making a point of rewarding your readers, make uh, them excited that they've. 
that they turned the page. Mm-hmm. How yes, did you, how did you do that? that that last panel on every page. Yeah, y- you you got to give them something that when they turn the they want to turn the page. Mm-hmm. There's a reason to turn the page. So yeah, make make it exciting for your reader. So how would you do that? You, you mean that that last panel? I give them something that is uh, that's not answered. There could be like an oh no, and then. What happened? You yeah. turned the page, that kind of thing. Okay, kind of a cliffhanger. Yeah. The successful layout is when a reader can grasp the story just by looking at the pictures and not reading one word. Yes. Yeah, so talking heads get very boring. And you also say the different viewpoints or angles yeah. keep the panels exciting. Right. Yeah, yeah if a uh, bird's eye view, a worm's uh, worm eye, worm view, over the up. shoulder, a close up. Yeah, yeah, you know those big eyes. You know when you have the mouth with the tongue hanging out. You know all those big poppy images. It's pop art. You know that's where pop art started with comics. Our, our, you know we were so, we were so um, frowned upon in the fifties. Comics were dumbing up the. That's how you start off the book. You, yeah. you sort of say, uh, you know, your parents just are aghast of the fact yes. that the kids are reading comic yes. books. But in fact, uh, uh, librarians actually led the way to encouraging. Well, they and, started and, figuring out that yeah. uh, that people that it wasn't always that one student that could zip through a book and visualize it in their heads. There were some people who really wanted to look at pictures, and I was certainly one of them. It was terrible when you know i think it was third grade when all of a sudden there are no more pictures what happened to the pictures why did they go away we talked about making things exciting and the use of color purple blue and green recede while red orange and pink advance yeah there are um, five different people that are involved in doing a comic and colorists certainly is one of the most important, and the letterer, although lettering has become kind of uh, extinct now because of all the fonts, mm. uh, but the colorist and the uh, inker, the, the inker is somebody who just goes over the lines of the penciler, and it's not just tracing. You've got to get those lines looking beautiful. So, you know, you don't have to be a writer or an artist. You can be a colorist uh, you can be an editor. Uh, there, there are different aspects of it, but you can choose your own lane. You know, if you if you can't, if you really don't want to draw and you just want to write, that's fine. You know, I I like doing all of it. I I I like doing the writing and the um, the art. We we touched on this before as well, but uh, this is some advice from Noah Van Skyver. Mm-hmm. Find your artistic influences and blend them all together. Don't be afraid to imitate. The excitement and inspiration from artists you admire will carry you far and drop you off when you've become yourself. Wow, that was really good, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's he's good. He's a real. I'm going to call him an up and comer, but he's he's already he's arrived. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, you end the book by saying that everyone, no matter how rich or famous, likes to be acknowledged. It can be a teacher, your parent, parents, a, a contact, a relative friend, an advisor who has inspired or given you good advice, 
A simple thank you can go a long way. It is a great feeling when someone says thank you. Yes, and just to expound on that a little bit, when I was hiring, uh, I needed an assistant because I had I had so much work, and um, I uh, placed an ad at a School of Visual Arts, and there was a guy who came to the door. His name was Jerry Kraft, a nice guy, talented, and I thought, well, you know, I'll try him for a day, see how it works. So I tried him for a day, but I never got another call from the School of Visual Arts. And about mm. two months in, I said, you know, it's really crazy. I never got a call. And he went, oh. He says, I brought the woman who put the the card up on the bulletin board. I brought her flowers to thank her for sending me out for this last job that I didn't get. So when this job came up, she called him because of the flowers and said, go to this interview. And she took that card off the bulletin board. <laughs> so that was his thank you. And that's how he got, the, well, and he was talented, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes, that's very important. Thank you, following through. Anybody who um, gives you a card or any kind of contact, contacts are so important. Uh, you just can't just stay in your studio and create great work if nobody sees it. So contacts. Make sure that you use your contacts. And it could be a librarian. It could be any, it could, you know, go to comic book conventions if you want to get a job there. You know, stand in line, talk to pros. Get as many contacts as you can get. And don't be a pest. But, uh, you know, try to follow through and, you know, have somebody help you out. It's really... It's really a great way of, of breaking into the field. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Nigel. Now let's continue our drinks. <laughs> well, let's do that once I've said the book's called You Can Do a Graphic Novel, Comic Books, Web, Comics, and Strips by Barbara Slate. And um, it's published by Minsky Publishing. Mm-hmm. And you can get it online. Wherever. Yes, you can get it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. You can get it. Yeah, it's it's online. And, and Barbara BarbaraSlate.com. Yes, Barbara. Right? Yes, and or you can do a graphic novel. However, I I had this book out in um, twenty um, ten, I believe. Okay. And this is the revision, and it's uh, a seven or eight more years of teaching, a lot more that I learned and that I could share. So that's why I did the book again. So there are some, some of the old ones still around. I think they're like for, I I don't know, I guess they're a lot cheaper, who knows. But uh, I would advise to get the new edition. Very good. Thanks again. Thank you.